I want to talk this time about the need that we have to build a Christian. Building a Christian means discipleship. Building a Christian means to um, mentor someone, to help them get into a place where they understand what Christianity is all about and how to study the Word of God, how to function, how to relate to other Christians and other people in general. And so when Jesus was here, one of his last instructions in Matthew 28, he said to the Christians that he was talking to, but he was talking about how do you disciple, how do you build, and he said in Matthew 28, verses 19, 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So there's some interesting stuff that he gave. It's his last instructions, and so therefore he's very thorough. He says, in order to make disciples, they must be baptized. And they do it in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They must be taught to obey everything I, Jesus said, have commanded you. And so we have these instructions, which it seems to me like a, a majority of the body of Christ of evangelicals can't be bothered doing it, even though the Bible is very clear that we're supposed to be doing it. It's almost as if we, we say, well, let's see how they make out. And then if they make out fine, if they become a solid Christian, then we'll spend some time with them. Well, that's the very opposite to what we should be thinking. Now, the disciples followed that. They said in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 and 42, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to, the, added to their number that day. They listened. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we have the first church saying, we heard what Jesus said we're supposed to do. We're going to baptize these people that made a confession today that want to serve the Lord. We're going to start on a regular basis with these 3,000 people. That's a pretty handy number to start a church with. And we're going to take them, and we're going to devote ourselves to teaching them. We're going to devote ourselves to have fellowship with them, teach, what, teach them what it's like to, to be together as Christian brothers and sisters. And we're going to take them into a place where they will remember what Jesus did at the cross by breaking bread for them. We call it communion. And finally, we will teach them how to pray. Well, this seems like a very clear saying they did what Jesus said to do. We need to start thinking when a person accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, which we all get happy about, but you see, what do we do with it after they've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ? We must start doing what Jesus said because if we do not do what Jesus said, we're disobeying him. And people who are disobeying, it says in John chapter 14 and also in 1 John, if you do what I tell you to do, then I know you love me. The reverse of that, of course, he says other times in the same scriptures, 
If you do not do what I command you to do, that means you don't love me. It means you don't love the Father, you don't love me. But he says in the other way, he said, if you do, then I and the Father will come and uh, make you our home. And so we know how important it is for us to obey what Jesus said. And listen to me, I've been in ministry since 73, 1973, and I have asked different people, at diff at pastors or board members at different churches, when they've talked to me about, say, revival or new converts, I say, now, do you have a new convert class set up in your church? Are you ready for Christians that are brand new to come in? And they say, oh, no, no, well, no, no, and they make some excuse. Listen, if, if, a, if a doctor's going to be a doctor, he has to be trained. If an electrician's going to be an electrician, he has to be trained. If a dentist is going to be a he has to be trained, these professional people. And being a Christian, you need to be trained. And if you're not training people that need training, you're flat out disobeying the Lord and what he said. He's talking to Christians in general. He's not just talking to the leadership of the church somewhere. He's talking to you and me. We've got to be people that disciple. And so anyone who becomes a Christian, but there's no help, there's no mentoring, there's no discipleship, and they start to flounder and they start to fall, and we send them to a counselor, maybe, maybe someone who hasn't been discipled themselves, and before you know it, this person has fallen away. Listen, when someone has tried to be a Christian and it doesn't work, it's harder, 10 times, maybe 20 times harder to ever convince them to try it again. We're doing more damage in the body of Christ by not doing what Jesus has told us to do. I include myself. I need to always be diligent and look to those who are new in the faith, but even as we have found in our ministry, as we've done a lot of this discipling, we've found many people who've sat in evangelical churches for years and basic things they don't know anything about because they've never been taught. To think that a new Christian, oh, you come to church Sunday morning, that's, that's your, your disciple. You know what that's like? That's like if I was a school teacher and I, I taught grade 8 and a new student came to the school and said, oh, well, you have to come into grade 8. That's where all the rest are. doesn't work. A new Christian has to start at the beginning, which I'm going to tell you about. If I was the head of an adoption agency, and I had a couple that wanted to, to adopt a baby, and we found a baby, and everything looked right, and they kind of met the conditions, their personality, their marriage is good, all that stuff. Then I said, well, just before we sign the final papers, could I just come over to your house and just see how things are, okay? I go over. There's no nursery prepared. There's no crib. There's no high chairs. There's no baby food. There's no bottles. There's no diapers. Why should I give them that child? Maybe that's why so many of our churches, they do not have new converts coming in because we have chosen not to be ready if they did. 
God says, I'm not going to give a new convert. They're, gonna, they're not going to make it, and then it's hard to ever get them back again. We have used discipleship material for many years, starting way back in the 70s. We used it with a group of, of about eight couples. And somebody told us about a series called The Foundation Truths for Christian Living by a man, Dr. Derek Prince. And you see, we started using that series. And it took us a couple of years to work through it. We worked through it a chapter at a time. Every, every week we met for one night and we'd work through a chapter and, and we'd ask them to read it beforehand. Some of them actually did, you know. And we would read through it and we'd make comments on it. They'd ask questions on it. The farther we get into it, the more questions they had, the more freedom they start to have. Just recently, this past summer, we had a reunion with a lot of those people. Some of them are gone. Some of them moved away, but we had reunion with as many as we could. We, we were brought to aware, my wife and I said coming home, it's interesting, that material that we use not only changed the parents, it changed the next generation, even though we weren't teaching the next generation. They saw their parents change, and they were at that reunion too. They actually took over, led the singing, did some testimonies and stuff, and it was exciting. Why? Because the parents are trained. I'm assuming they then trained their kids and never did ask. But something happened that affected the next generation. This material I'm going to recommend to you worked for us. We've used it a few times since. And I'm always blessed when I go through it and teach it because it's so solid. It's actually based on Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. But just before that, in Hebrews chapter 5, at the end of that chapter, the writer of the Hebrews, he wants to move on with the people he's dealing with, but they lack foundational teaching. He is addressing the church and warning them that, with the need, uh, that they had a need to put into practice what they had learned from the teaching they already had. And then he recaps in chapter 6, 1 and 2, what it was they were taught. You were taught this. You haven't put it into practice. And so I'm saying to you, you need to start putting it into practice. I'm paraphrasing what he said. Let's read Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings. We all know what the word elementary means. About Christ and go on to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. See, the writer here in Hebrews was saying, these are basic foundational truths that if you're going to get it, you need a foundation of the basics, the elementary so that you can know how to stand firm and make it through the Christian life that you've chosen to live. This is what the website says about this particular book. 
Drawing from over five decades of scripture-based teaching and study in the original Greek and Hebrew, Derek Prince clearly explains the foundation for Christian faith. Used as a textbook in many Christian schools, this volume gives you everything you need to develop a strong, balanced life of faith. Now that book's available. Ask them at your bookstore or you go into Derek Prince Ministries, which is in the website, which is simply the three W's and DerekPrince.org. You'll find it in there. It even has a product code, just to make it easier. The product code is B52. So go in there, order it, and listen. This is what it contains. First, the book covers the following topics in order to introduce the course. What is the foundation of the Christian faith? That's the first one. How to build on that foundation would be the second chapter. The authority of God's word would be followed that down. And then the working of God's word, those four areas he covers first to, so that you're prepared then to go into Hebrews and study the things that the writer of the Hebrews puts in there. So listen to what he covers in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Covers repentance, what repentance is. He covers what faith is and includes faith for salvation, faith and works, and law and grace. Covers all those. He covers what the purpose of the law was. He covers the true righteousness, what it truly is, versus the righteousness that came from the law, which doesn't get you to heaven. And then there's the doctrine of baptisms. And the water baptism is covered. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is covered. The, the purpose of Pentecost is covered. He talks a bit about there, about the baptism of fire, which Matthew and Luke referred to. He talks about the... the Laying on of hands, I never in all my years growing up in a Christian church heard anybody talk about the laying on of hands, but it's part of the Christian doctrine, the essential ones. Then he covers the resurrection of the dead, which is a powerful book on what's going to happen when Jesus returns. And lastly, he talks about eternal judgment. These things we all need to know. We need to get an understanding so that we can stand against the enemy when he brings doubt into our minds. We have some scripture knowledge to hit him with. We have something to counteract his lies with because we have a foundation that we're building on. And you see, all the stuff that happens later in my life should be built on that foundation. The cornerstone is Jesus. The foundation is laid for the prophets and apostles, which we don't have in churches very much anymore. Satan's made sure he got us out of there. But we know that he has said, if you get a good foundation in your life, this is what's going to be like. It's going to be the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy from Romans 14. What's he saying? Well, if there's no joy in your life, it's because you lack peace. 
And if there's no peace in your life, you can't rest at night, you can't sleep at night, you worry through the day because of this lack of peace, it's because there's no righteousness. And righteousness comes as a result of knowing what Jesus has done for us. And that's where the essential teachings, the elementary teachings come in is very important to us. And all this stuff that he talks about in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, and, and the command of Jesus that we're to disciple, teach, mentor. They're not optional. Jesus was telling us what to do. It's not optional. We can't make an excuse. Oh, I'm too busy. Or I, I just don't have. Listen, if you, have, if you don't have the time to spend time with a new convert, what in the world are you thinking about? We're talking about something that's eternal now not just the lawn that needs to be cut or, or the groceries that need to be picked up. We're talking about something eternal. A person's life is at stake here. Every person's life should reflect the kingdom of God's righteousness. And out of that will flow the peace, peace of mind, peace that I know God is looking after me. And as a result of living that peace, we'll have joy. I still maintain Christians should wake up with a song going through their minds, a godly song, something that's encouraging. There's so many songs that bring hope to us about eternity. And say so Hebrews, it talks another, it says the faith is the substance of things hoped for in the old King James. Faith is a substance. It's a result of the hope we have in our Father in heaven and eternal life. Any Christian life that does not build upon a foundation is not built on a foundation will crumble. Think of a house. If you have anything to do with a building, think of the house. If there's no foundation under that house, every little movement of the earth, which it does, will move this way, and windows will start to stick or break. Doors will not open right. Cracks will appear in the plaster. I know people that that's happened to in their life, where their life starts crumbling and things are missing, and so therefore they can't do this or they can't fight that. And before we know it, they've, they've fallen and, and sitting in a counselor's chair or, or in a pastor's office trying to get their life together, and they're trying to put this house back together, but there's no foundation, and it keeps moving, and it keeps getting out through their lives. There's people that have been in counseling for years, and their problems are not solved. And the reason is there's no foundation. Come on, listen to me, folks. This applies to me as much as you. Listen to me. They need a foundation. And most evangelical churches, you could take maybe 70, 80% of the people and put them through this because they've never heard it before. So how do we get started? Listen to me, Christian. Don't look at the church to do this. 
Don't look at your eldership or the pastor or, or the assistant pastor or the youth. Don't look at them that they should be doing this and point your finger at them. They should be. But if they're not, that doesn't give you an excuse because you, I am convinced, most Christians, if they would go through this book first by themselves, if they'd work at it, maybe with a friend or a spouse or a family, if they'd work through it, then they would be qualified to take others through it. I can't understand why we can't just say, I will mentor I, I, that girl down the street that she's been floundering for a number of years. I'm going to offer to take her through this book. I'll go through it myself. I'll read it with prayer. I'll put it into practice, and I will see what the Lord will do if I take her through the foundational teaching. Are you listening? Not an option to sit just twiddling your thumbs and hoping they make out. It's not an option. We have been told what to do. If we don't do it, we're disobeying. Have you got that? If I don't do it, I'm in, in rebellion against God. If you don't do it, when you have a chance, you're in rebellion against God. There's a man named Ezra. He was one of the, the scribes, one of the teachers that came back out of Babylon after the Babylonian captivity. And Jude and Benjamin had come back to the promised land after 70 years. And so Nehemiah came back first, but then Ezra comes back. And this is what it says about it. He was a teacher. Listen, for Ezra had set his heart on studying and practicing the word of God and teaching Israel the laws and rulings. Now that's a verse I've taken from the complete Jewish Bible by a, name, a Jewish man named David Stern. He's a Christian man. And he said it out clearly. Ezra, first of all, studied the law, and then he put it into practice in his life. And when he put it into practice, he could then teach it. I know. When I'm listening to a preacher or a teacher, it's not too hard to tell when they're teaching you just from what they've read in a book or they're teaching you from life's experience. Where they've put those things into practice, they've worked them through, and now they're sharing with you those principles. You can tell who has been and who hasn't experienced what they're saying. Ezra knew that. He said, I will practice what I'm learning first, and then I will be able to teach with conviction. Glory to God. You can do it. Christians can do it. Work through the book. Study the Bible. He, there can choose the scriptures all the time. It isn't, it isn't a book that that says, oh, that's not really not a God matter. That's not what Paul said. He doesn't do that. He simply takes us through a book. Derek Prince is qualified to teach these languages from the scripture. He's qualified to teach them at a university level. He knows what the originals say, and he's preaching from the word of God just clearly and distinctly. 
Now listen to what listen to what they um, did with this. In Acts chapter two, when they had baptized these people, and it said they were meeting together. And it says in verse 41 and 42, those who accepted his message were baptized. That's Jesus' message, of course. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's what they did. And that's what you should look at and say, I can do that. Don't go by your feelings. Don't go by thoughts that are negative. Don't go by it. Say, if God told me to do it, I can do it. God doesn't tell you to do something if he doesn't give the ability and the strength to do it. He always, if you have that much, if the, if the task is this big and you have this much, he will do the rest. But you have to give this much, because if you don't give this much, he isn't even there. Those who accepted his message, 3,000 people, they met together, I assume, on a weekly basis, but sometimes in the early church writings, it indicated that some of them met every day. And they listened to the apostles teaching what they had heard from Jesus in the three years that they were with them. And they developed other apostles. Some of them, some of them are called, Poly, one of them is called Polycarp and just names like that. You can buy books about their writings as well, but none of their writings disagree with what the apostles wrote. But they, that first church knew that if they did, what Jesus called them to do, they would have a church. And do you realize it was so powerful before the year 400 after Jesus, by the year 400, a pagan nation, which was a Roman nation, this is historically correct, by a, a book out of Yale University by Ramsley McMullen, Christianizing the Roman Empire, do you realize their discipleship was so powerful that by the year 400, this totally pagan nation, which was a Roman nation, there were so many converts, so many Christians, that the whole status was changed to being a Christian nation, which is where our church grew out of. First of all, Catholic, then Lutheran, and so on, all the way up. Listen. We stand in a place where we could change the world one person at a time if we just took serious what Jesus told us to do. He knew what would work. Our problem is we decide, we'll decide what's going to work. We'll wait to see how they make out. He said, no, do it now. Ananias said to Paul, who was then called Saul, when he came to Ananias to be prayed for, to have his eyes open and to receive the Holy Spirit, Ananias said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. He knew that was the first thing after repentance, get baptized. And I've got a teaching on water baptism. Look it up in the archives or look it up in Roku. 
It's in there. Father, I, I confess on behalf of the church. Thank you, Lord. That we have not obeyed you. Please forgive us. Please visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.